I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Are you, are you a, a Facebook user? Do you get the alerts periodically that remind you of some uh, event or post or comment or photo you shared a, a number of years ago and are then uh, remembered of what you felt that day and of the, the fun you were having or maybe the sadness it reminds you of? But whatever, uh, the, the memory feature on Facebook... Well, I uh, uh, was just reminded of a post by Major Brent Taylor. As you know, uh, Major Brent Taylor lost his life in service to his country in Afghanistan, leaving behind uh, his wife, Jenny Taylor, who's a frequent guest on this program. You know her well, I'm sure, and seven children. Well, the, the post I am reminded of was one of the last posts, if not the last post, shared on Facebook by Brent Taylor, late October 2018. And it has to do with the issue of voting. And I want to read it to you in its entirety. Freedom. Millions defy Taliban and vote in Afghan elections. Quote, the secret to happiness is freedom. And this freedom and the secret to freedom is courage. Close quote. This quote coming from FDR quote, in the truest sense, freedom cannot be bestowed. It must be achieved. Now words directly from Major Brent Taylor. It was beautiful to see over 4 million Afghan men and women brave threats and deadly attacks to vote in Afghanistan's first parliamentary elections in eight years. The strong turnout, despite the attacks and challenges, was a success for the long-suffering people of Afghanistan and for the cause of human freedom. I am proud of the brave Afghan and U.S. soldiers I serve with. Many American, NATO allies, and Afghan troops have died to make moments like this possible. For example... My dear friend who was killed fighting the Taliban the day before voting began. As the U.S. gets ready to vote in our own election next week, I hope everyone back home exercises their precious right to vote, and that whether the Republicans or the Democrats win, that we all remember that we have far more as Americans that unite us than divides us. United we stand, divided we fall. God bless America. And he has one of those... American flag emojis plus uh, uh, an outstretched fist, right, to pound. That, again, the last Facebook post by uh, Major Brent Taylor before losing his life in November of 2018. Hmm. Uh, I I bring that up just because the, the message he communicates is strong and it is powerful and it is as true today as it was the day that he wrote those words before losing his own life. Voting was important to Major Taylor, and he gives good reason as to why it ought to be important for us as well. Uh, I'm grateful to you for uh, for listening through that tangent. I didn't plan on sharing that with you. In fact, uh, this segment, uh, we're going to be looking at some of the new coronavirus numbers here in the state of Utah. I'd, re- I'd remind you, as we talk about the coronavirus and we talk about the impact on the lives of Utahns and the lives that have been lost 
uh, by Utahns. Remember that every single number we make reference to is a person. It may be you. You may be one of the positive cases. You may be one of those who receive testing. It may be a relative of yours who lost your life, lost their life. And as we see headlines like this from the Salt Lake Tribune, Utah's hospitals prepare to ration care as a record number of coronavirus patients flood their ICUs. The word ration right there was used. That's a new thing here in the state of Utah. This morning, uh, Joe Doherty with the Division of Emergency Management joined Dave and Dejanovic to talk more about the issue. Dave asked Joe the question of, is it a certainty that hospitals are going to be rationing care in the next couple of weeks. We actually had a meeting with the hospital association uh, last week uh, with the governor's office and some of our unified command leadership. And what they did is they gave us a briefing on what is called crisis standards of care. And the crisis standards of care is guidance for hospitals to help them make very thoughtful, ethical, moral decisions um, in, in the most extreme circumstances. We are not there yet. But what they did is they said, here's what crisis standards of care are. And it's possible if we don't get out of this trajectory that we will be asking the governor to invoke the crisis standards of care plan, um, which which does get into uh, very, very serious decision making. Um, and this this comes down to if there are not enough ventilators and ICU beds and care that is available for people. Um, right now, we are in an unsustainable trajectory of, of hospitalizations, of case counts. And, uh, and that's why we have a public health order in place for people to wear masks and keep their distance from others. Following that response from Joe Doherty, again with the Division of Emergency Management, who joined Dave and Dejanovic here this morning, Debbie asked about the Mountain America Credit Union Expo Center in Sandy. We've heard of potential utilization of this building since the very beginning of this pandemic to serve as an area for extra beds. Uh, but then the follow-up naturally is, do we have the medical personnel to staff it? Staffing is really critical um, because we do have quite a number of beds, but you don't always have the right certified staff available to uh, to care for people in those beds. So um, the, uh, we do have the ability to set up the Mountain America Expo Center as an alternate care site, and that's really only if we need extra bed space. If certain patients would uh, perhaps perhaps need to be um, offloaded to a place where they don't need acute care, but maybe some ongoing observational care, it could be set up. We're, we're not set up now. Um, if we needed it, we could set it up in about half a day. Um, but right now what we're doing, and, and we're watched, working with the hospitals, to put every contingency plan in place. So that means hospitals are activating their own surge plans. They're sharing patients in between facilities where needed. Um, they have nurses working overtime, which and they are doing heroic work. In just a moment, we're going to take a break. And when we return, I want to play for you some comments uh, made by Utah Hospital Association President Greg Bell. He spoke with the station recently and shared uh, a number of thoughts. I, I want to point out uh, one thing that Dave and Debbie weren't able to include in their conversation with Joe Doherty with the Division of Emergency Management, and it is his optimism, his 
optimistic look towards the future. We are in a very difficult circumstance right now. You heard Mr. Doherty there explain it in great detail. We are short on staff. We are at uh, a challenging, challenging juncture in this pandemic, and the hospitals are feeling that right now. And we are closer now to the need to uh, bring in place something akin to rationing than we have been at any other stage in this pandemic and our state's battle against it. But, but he points out that there is still reason for optimism. And you can hear that optimism uh, communicated by uh, medical professionals each time they take to the microphone. There are definitely, definitely some strong feelings uh, held by those uh, those medical professionals. They beg and plead for people like you and me to do what it takes to keep folks out of their hospitals, and yet they are able to uh, muster up a, a certain measure of optimism, and that optimism comes in their belief in you and me and adhering to the guidelines. Quick break. When we return, I'm going to share some details from the crisis standards of care, uh, the guidelines that were referenced there by Mr. Doherty, and we'll hear from Greg Bell, Utah Hospital Association president. What is really happening in Utah hospitals? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We are talking right now about, well, we're talking about the burden being faced by Utah hospitals. Over the weekend, there were some new numbers, and we learned that uh, even more of Utah's hospitals are being strained and tested in terms of their capacity to cope with the COVID-19 disease, as we previously thought. There was an article in the Salt Lake Tribune. I read to you the, the headline. I'll read it again because it includes a word that is startling and jarring. It reads, Utah's hospitals prepare to ration care as a record number of coronavirus patients flood their ICUs. State epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn, she on Twitter shared that article and included the following caption. It reads, this is not okay. It is maddening that we are planning to ration care in Utah. Unacceptable. We must do everything we can to slow COVID spread. No excuses. Hashtag mask up Utah. Hashtag physical distancing. If you remember the last time Dr. Dunn participated in a press conference, she shared uh, the new numbers. I believe this was last Wednesday. She shared uh, the new numbers Wednesday or Thursday. And then when she went on to explain some more and add details, uh, she figuratively threw her hands in the air and said, I I don't know what to do anymore. Now, I don't believe that uh, she... (laughs) is totally done in this fight. I don't believe she's done, not by a long shot. She is uh, one who has been putting in some long hours, and uh, she will surely continue to uh, you know, present the data as she receives it and be a calm and steady voice in this battle against the coronavirus. But uh, for someone of her stature and her position in this fight to be frustrated to that extent, uh, it gave me pause. It gave me pause and led me to uh, dig up some documents and look at what are these plans and procedures that are in place. Should we max out the capacity in Utah hospitals? Uh, I I want you to hear in just a moment from the president of the Utah Hospital Association. That's Greg Bell. He's a frequent guest here, uh, and he has some things to say that uh, honestly are are relatively startling. There is uh, something called the Utah Crisis Standards of Care Guidelines. It was a document that was prepared 
in August of this year by the Hospital Association in cooperation uh, with the Department of Health and also the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And it is essentially a guide for rationing care. When our ability to care and our capacity to care in the hospital system uh, is eclipsed by the need for care, this document kicks in and very difficult decisions are being made. Uh, Let's go now to this conversation which took place between uh, KSL and Greg Bell, again, Utah Hospital Association president. Uh, And then after that, I'll try to I'll try to read to you some of what is contained in this guiding document. Uh, If I'm honest, it is it's medical speak top to bottom. And so extracting a a clear understanding without having, you know, a mind and uh, understanding the lexicon with which this message is delivered and this document is drafted will be uh, a little difficult, but I want you to hear exactly what it does say. So we'll get to that after we hear from Greg Bell. Uh, he- here is Greg Bell discussing uh, the rate of positive cases, the, the rate of positive Utahns coming down with this virus. When you have a spread rate that exceeds 15 percent and some days 20 percent, you you know that's a proxy for many other cases beyond those which are tested. So we have truly a pandemic at loose in our in our community and in our state, and uh, we just know where it's going. He then goes on to explain what this should signal to everyone. When hospitals are talking about invoking crisis standards of care, meaning not every person is going to get the optimal level of care, then that's a huge signal to the community that we better get busy and do our part. And because of the high number of cases, he says the number of hospitalizations will increase. And then we have to think in the next week or two that we're going to be at the maximum of our our um, even our contingency planning for ICU beds. What does that mean? The next step there is rationing. You heard reference earlier in the segment prior uh, by Joe Doherty to the crisis standards of care. That's the document I want to share with you here in just a moment. But here, uh, directly from Greg Bell himself, he explains what is the crisis standards of care. They're actually drafted and put in place by the state. We uh, provided the people and, you know, developed those, but um, they're actually adopted by the Utah Department of Health. And so we would, as the hospitals, ask the governor and the executive director of the Department of Health to invoke the crisis standards of care. Once those are in effect, then hospitals who have no room start making decisions according to the triage criteria set forth in the crisis standards of care. The, the triage standards, that's where it gets difficult to, to understand if you're not uh, like a, a medically trained professional. Some of these numbers and some of the percentages and the way they score things and uh, this, this assessment called the Modified Sequential Organ Failure Assessment, I, I have to admit, is beyond my understanding. But I am capable enough of looking at this and knowing that it is the rubric for which difficult decisions are made. Rationing. How about the Mountain America Expo Center? 
we have from the beginning of this pandemic, we have heard of that being a potential overflow location. And so uh, Greg Bell, again, president and CEO of the Utah Hospital Association, was asked, is the Expo Center still in play? That is in play, but um, the problem there is that we don't have staff to fully deal with the patients in our hospitals. I mean, we, we have more beds than we have skilled uh, medical teams to deal with them in our hospitals. So how can we, you know, take take those teams and put them in another facility? It doesn't doesn't make sense. So you've got to generate other teams um, to deal with the people in in the the expo center. And so that means you've got to be, bring people from outside, or somehow you have to have people working around the clock. Now, our contingency planning is asking doctors and nurses to work extra shifts. So, you know, you can expand capacity a little bit, but not on a permanent basis. He wrapped up his conversation by sharing a message which he delivered to people uh, specifically about buckling down with public health measures. People must get serious about wearing masks and social distancing. If this spread continues, then people will start withdrawing from restaurants and bars and gyms and uh, public places. Um, People are so worried about the government imposing a lockdown. Well, at some point, the disease is bad enough that people start to lock themselves down. And we, we, we can do this through masking and social distancing. We know how to do it. We can knock it down. We just need to do it. You already said there that the economy will, if we continue on this trajectory, that the economy will be impacted. But I know you, we've seen massive impacts to the economy for months now, right? How many hundreds of thousands of Americans are out of work? How many restaurants have closed their doors forever, never to reopen? He's not talking about lockdowns here. He's not talking about uh, you know government sanctions or government rules that would close the doors of these businesses. He's talking about the actual, literal, firsthand impact of the virus. Once you see it, you will be afraid to move about. And the way uh, to avoid it is to, as he said, uh, enact those mask-wearing protocols and the physical distancing and do the things that we have heard repeated over and over, and I repeat uh, daily. So that's that. He's talking about something beyond, beyond a lockdown, beyond stay-at-home orders. He's talking about the virus itself reaching in and changing your life directly. We can avoid that. Quick break. When we return, I want to talk about your credit score. Turns out, if there is ever, if there's any silver lining to this whole COVID-19 nonsense, it is that America's credit scores are on the rise. <laughs> Why is that? How should we react? We'll find out with Shane Stewart, DMBA Certified Financial Planner, next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.